Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. On this episode, Grace Parra and Megan Gailey join me in Los Angeles to discuss presidential dick. Then Alyssa Mastromonaco and I discuss the accusations Christine Blasey Ford has leveled at Brett Kavanaugh, the dick the president nominated to the Supreme Court. In the second half of the show, journalist and podcast host Jane Marie joins us to talk about the stories of creepy men that women carry with us. We also talk more about hurdles in getting birth control and, of course, the hills will die on this week. God, not a lot is happening this week. No. Uh, JK, everything is happening. What the fuck is up, y'all? <laughs> and it's all bad. We were literally just talking about being jackhammered by trash. American trash. Yes. Trash. And trash. jackhammered from above the studio as well. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. like a poltergeist that lives. I think it's a ghost. I'm choosing to believe it's supernatural. What's the difference between a poltergeist and a ghost? Well, a um, poltergeist is like one is from the devil. Oh. Yeah. And one is a child. <laughs> <laughs> I like that all ghosts in Megan's world are child ghosts. Friendly child ghosts. <laughs> child ghosts are the scariest genre of ghosts. I are you agree. Oh, yeah, you died so on this scary. hill. Yes, I forgot. They're absolutely scary. I'm They're thinking so one that's like, hey, want to play? Like I guess Casper. that's scary. That's, yeah. What is wrong with you, Megan? I don't know. It's early. <laughs> My chai tea hit me in a funny way. <laughs> uh, before we get into this week in news, the stuff about Kavanaugh, the stuff about Stormy Daniels, and all kinds of other stuff, we have a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, we're going to talk a little bit about Vote Save America, which is a new initiative from Crooked Media. The main reasons young people give about not voting are, one, they don't know how or when to vote, which... If we figured out Instagram stories, you can figure out how to vote. Yeah. That's you know? true. That's we're true. having to do young things. You got to grow up. Yeah. I, I had Snapchat for a minute. Snapchat is, no, I deleted dead. it. Oh, it's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. But I figured it out. <laughs> but the other two reasons young people give for not voting, two, they don't know what's on their, val- their ballots, and three, they don't think their vote matters. Uh, luckily, Crooked Media is going to help you figure it all out. They launched votesaveamerica.com, which is a step-by-step guide to make sure everyone votes in the 2018 midterms. You can pledge to vote and get involved in campaigns going on in your community. You can also check out what's going on in the state that you live in and find out what the final day to register to vote is, if you need to bring an ID, what the most competitive races in your state are, et cetera. Um, and in a couple of weeks, they're going to have something really cool. They're going to have a sample ballot so you can see, no matter where you live, you can see what you will be seeing That's on huge. election like day. That. That is yeah, so I don't huge. even think this is just for young people. No, it's I basically this. like someone's giving you the answers to the test before you go in. You know All what you have to do like? is look at it. You know what it's like? It's like when you go to a restaurant and there's a long wait, but they let you see a menu. And then you can just like prep Genius. and you know exactly what you want to order. I look you know? at yeah. the menu of every restaurant before I go to it. I actually browse menus of restaurants I'm never going to go to. I love reading menus. Wow. Do you do that with the child ballots? ghosts? Do you do that with the you child should, ghosts in you mind? You should do it with ballots. I just read ballots. I go, what's going on in that Maryland gubernatorial race? <laughs> <laughs> and for the third excuse, I don't think my vote matters. Here are some real situations that actually happened. Mm. In 2015, two candidates running for a state house in Mississippi tied with 4,589 oh. votes each. So they decided the winner by drawing straws. No. Drawing straws. At oh. least, pu- at least like, pull up an anim- like an app arm to figure that out for you. Something. I agree. Yeah. Get in some Jello and fight to the death. Drawings straws are so environmentally irresponsible. Uh, yeah, were they uh, paper? Listen up, Maryland. Speaking of Maryland, oh. a local election in your state came down to seventeen votes. Seventeen. That's like drunk people at your birthday party deciding the fate of a state. Every vote counts. Story for you, Washington. In two thousand two, a local candidate, Kevin Ensy, lost to his opponent by one vote. One vote. Poor Ancy. 
Yeah, what's worse, his friend actually admitted that they never got their ballot mailed in time. Well, oh. don't admit that. <laughs> yeah. Why? It's like, I was there. I yeah. picked it. I was, I was yeah. on the front lines. <laughs> I, think it, I think honesty is the best policy, and it'd be better if he had voted and been honest about voting instead of being honest about not voting. I think he could just have quietly left that piece of information I, out. I would have lied. I would have lied. I would have lied and said, man, I did my part. You know, I voted twice. Mm-hmm. You know what's better than lying? Voting. Yes. yes. Voting is better than lying. <laughs> you can also join our Vote Save America Facebook group or follow the Vote Save America hashtag to see all the great work people have already been doing. If you actually look on Instagram, it's really cool. It's and, awesome. And inspiring. There's a lot of pictures and stuff. Yeah, so, Vote Save America is dope. That, is, uh, that concludes the housekeeping from us. Now we have to get into the unpleasantness. I mean, I don't even... Oh, okay, God. so... Let me just lead into it. You're both stretching. We are physically <laughs> stretching for this next segment. You guys know what's coming. I just, uh, okay. You know what's coming. Got to do my warm-ups for dick talk. <sighs> uh, okay, so ladies, I try to predict a lot of things. If you watch movies with me, I will shout out th- during the scenes like, he did it. He's the murderer. Whoa. Like when I watched The Usual Suspects the first time, within five minutes, I was like, Kevin Spacey clearly did something wrong, <laughs> even though that applies to a lot of different contexts. I guess now. I but... would want to watch sharp <laughs> objects with you in that case. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. All the objects are sharp. It's a metaphor. <laughs> That's, That's what it. I would. So I've tried to predict, you know, what happens in movies. I've also tried to predict what will happen with technology. Like the first time I saw an ad uh, with a phone, like a cell phone with a camera on it, I was like, that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that won't last. Why would I need to take a picture with my phone? So I was wrong about that. But... On March 12th, 2018, I made a prediction that is coming closer and closer to being true. The tweet was, this is going to end with us seeing the president's dick, isn't it? This week, we came closest (laughs) we've ever come. (laughs) Oh, my God. What is this country? To seeing the president's dick um, because excerpts from porn star Stormy Daniels' tell-all book have been released. In the excerpt, she compares the president's penis to the mushroom character from... Mario Kart. Toad. <sighs> Toad. The... Toad. I wasn't allowed to play Mario Kart, so my childhood isn't totally ruined, but right. I'm not sure about both of you. Were you allowed to play Mario Kart? Um, I chose not to. I have two older brothers, and they played a lot of video games, and I remember the gun from Duck Hunt being used to whack me across the head a few times, mm-hmm. so I just mm-hmm. quietly sat in my room. I played with a lot of refrigerator boxes. Mm. <laughs> I loved a box. No wonder you like child ghosts. Yeah, I was a, there's a lot of pictures of me gnawing on pork chop bones as a child. <laughs> I was rugged. You were um, like a feral little girl. I was, very much so. Um, but this, I just looked up this toad man, mm-hmm. and he's a lot happier than I, th- that he is a smiley little cherub of a guy. He is, he's wearing a diaper, and he's got an Aladdin vest on. It also kind of looks like he's in a little Russian hat. Co- correct, uh, which is apropos. I think I would so. Say. The, uh, the Kremlin approved of Stormy Daniels' just the tip of parrot. Trump's dick. Yes, God. precisely. Well, the New York Times. It, it's actually kind of funny to read the New York Times trying to tiptoe around the like dick <laughs> description. Their headline when they talk about the story is "Full disclosure by Stormy Daniels has few bombshells, but is likely to rattle the White House." That's my New York Times voice. It's likely to rattle the White House. There's something to be said for for the attempted sexual humiliation of a public figure, and normally I'm just like, "Don't," Mm -hmm. but in this case, I'm kind of like, "Do." Oh, interesting! Dick shaming. Yeah, I feel like I feel like in ninety nine or nine hundred ninety nine out of a thousand cases, Mm -hmm. it's just like, "Come on, figure out something better." 
to insult someone because there's usually something better. But in this one, I'm sort of like, I mean, yeah, Trump would probably be bothered by for sure by somebody describing his anatomy in a book. She's but, also given us a lot. You know, this wasn't the first tidbit. You know, she buried yeah. to this a little bit. We've yeah. gotten some fun details. Yeah. About him reading. Yeah. And watching Shark Week. Shark Week. I'm, I'm just worried about Toad's confidence in all this. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. worried that that he is a character who has always been the smallest one, who has always smiled through adversity, uh, now has to face uh, all of his friends knowing that he's been compared to the president's dick. And how, how do you think that would make, like, how do you walk up to Peach and, you know, and, and carry on your daily conversations with a straight face? With that's, a straight a good, face. that's a good point. Poor oh toad. my gosh. No, this, <laughs> um, I think this is fun. This is, I mean, like, I think it's fun too. I think it's fun. Any other week, just this would be the worst thing that happened. But this week, this is the least bad thing that happened. Alyssa Master Monaco and I are going to break down what's going on with Kavanaugh and Ford and the kerfluffle around sexual assault accusations and who takes what seriously and that whole mess. Welcome to Uterus Weekly. This is when Alyssa Mastromonaco and I break down what's going on when it comes to the government and your uterus. <laughs> Alyssa, hey. My uterus hurts today. Yeah, mine isn't great. <laughs> my whole my whole body is sort of like wincing and it has been wincing for for quite some time but it's wincing even harder than normal so let's get into the the uh ford uh kavanaugh business over the weekend uh christine blasey ford uh she's a biostatistician and clinical psychology professor from california came forward and identified herself as the woman behind a confidential letter that had alleged that brett kavanaugh Trump's supreme court nominee had sexually assaulted her when they were high school students in Maryland. Uh, I'm going to read what Ford told the Washington Post that Kavanaugh did. Uh, Kavanaugh and a friend, both stumbling drunk, corralled her into a bedroom during a gathering of teenagers at a house in Montgomery County. While his friend watched, Kavanaugh pinned her to a bed on her back and groped her over her clothes, grinding his body against hers and clumsily attempting to pull off her one-piece bathing suit and the clothing she wore over it. When she tried to scream, he put his hand over her mouth. She was able to escape when Kavanaugh's friend and classmate at Georgetown Preparatory School, Mark Judge, jumped on top of them, sending all three tumbling. She says she ran from the room, briefly locked herself in a bathroom, and then fled the house. Kavanaugh, for his part, has uh, denied what Ford has said. In a statement released this Monday by the White House, he says, quote, This is a completely false allegation. I've never done anything like what the accuser describes to her or anyone. So, Alyssa, what do you make of, of what has become of the Kavanaugh confirmation process? Well, I mean, look, everyone's sort of up Shit's Creek on this one, right? I mean, you have poor Dr. Ford, who also, for the record, is receiving death threats, has had to move her family to basically a hiding place, and has been hacked. All of her electronics have been hacked. So anyone who wants to say that she's somehow seeking attention, wants to be famous, or is just in this to derail his nomination is fucking insane. Mm -hmm. But what the Republicans have done now, right, is the – it's like it's, – it's almost the worst of the worst. They're like, cool, girl. You can come in on Monday. You have exactly three days to prepare for something that he's had three months to prepare for. And – Almost every single white male member of the Judiciary Committee has said, uh, we'll listen to her. We'll listen to, quote, what this lady has to say, and then we'll vote. Well, Aaron, mm -hmm. what does that tell you about what they think they're going to learn from her testimony? 
I think what they think they're going to do is portray to their white female suburban voters that they actually care about women. They're going to do some empathy theater next Monday. One thing that is really suspicious of this whole thing, just apart from the nuts and bolts and the timing of it, which is really ridiculous in the context of what's at stake here. You know, right after the accusation went public, before Dr. Ford was identified, Kavanaugh's camp had a letter signed by 65 women about how he definitely didn't assault any of them. And it seemed like suspiciously at the ready. And I just, first of all, it's a little bit suspect that Kavanaugh, had, having gone to an all-boys high school, would know 65 women when Agreed. he was in high school. Second of all, the fact that they had this letter ready indicates that they either knew about this accusation or they knew that there was some other thing with women coming down the pike or there was some possibility. Unless every single man who applies for a high-caliber job now has a letter just prepared that's like character witnesses from women, I guess. Do you mean that they come with their binders full of women? Binders full of women who you definitely didn't pin down and try to assault at a party in high school. Well, and Aaron, let's just backtrack to his actual confirmation hearing for a minute. He rolled out what appeared to be 10 to 14 middle school girls from a you softball team. You were so team. mad about that, Alyssa. You texted me. You were like, he okay. has a softball team. Okay, and let me tell you something. I was apparently mad for good reason. Because if that isn't some sort of like cover my ass, look, I'm chill with young girls. You know, when I was younger, I wouldn't have done anything to girls this age. If we look back, it's like, I have all these girls. I'm a softball coach. How many times can he say that? How many times can he roll his daughters out? I mean, it's like you and I were saying, well, we're going to roll our cats out. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> what does it matter to be a Supreme Court justice? It's like saying that, you know, Kagan or Sotomayor, because they don't have children, are somehow less qualified. It's like totally irrelevant. Right. But, but he's been working that hard. And why, we have to ask, why has he been working it so hard? Well, I mean, it seems like overcompensation. It seems like there was some awareness from somebody in that camp that there was something in his past or something in his present that indicates that he's maybe not the most friendly person in the world to women. I'm always suspect when a man seems like he's doing too much to prove that he's an ally. Totally. That, to me, is a huge red flag. Uh, you know, no matter what side of the aisle the, that person is on, if they're really making a big deal about what a good dude they are, I'm like, are you a good dude? What is this a counter argument to? Also what are worth you noting that in the past few days, they rolled out two women who allegedly dated him and said he was a good person. But when the, I believe it was the Washington Post, when all of this information about Dr. Ford came out on Sunday, that that's, you know, that it was Dr. Ford, they went through and they called almost all of the 65 women who had attested he was a good person and only two stood by their claims. Now, I'll just tell you, if a friend from high school was doing something and they asked me to attest for them and I really believed it, I wouldn't flip on them that fast. And so I'm guessing maybe they weren't as tight as he wanted us to believe they were, all 65 women and, and uh, Judge Kavanaugh. Right. Judge Kavanaugh's sad yearbook is just a bunch of girls that are like, have a good summer, Brent. Uh... <laughs> Bart. <laughs> Bart Carvinar. Bart um... Kavanaugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So real quick, there are four women on the Senate Judiciary Committee, which will be hearing the testimony from Kavanaugh. And we haven't discovered yet if Ford is going to be there on Monday. Right. There are, only, there are only four women on the committee and they're all Democrats. So all of the Republicans on the committee who are pushing for Kavanaugh's nomination, who have kind of been homers for him, they're all dudes. Chuck Grassley, Orrin Hatch, Lindsey Graham, John Cornyn, 
Michael Lee, Ted Cruz, Ben Sass. Wow, it's like a murderer's row of douchebags. Right. And how many of them were actually present at the Judiciary Committee hearing for Anita Hill? At least like three of them. Yeah, there are a few that were there. Chuck Grassley was there. Orrin Hatch was there. Yep, Orrin Hatch was there. Patrick Leahy, who's a Democrat from Vermont, was there. So three of them were there when Anita Hill was testifying in 1991. And that dovetails really nicely to the next thing I wanted you to talk with me about was how did we advance since Anita Hill, if we advanced at all? I was really young when it happened, and I don't remember. But now when I watch archival footage, it's shocking to me. Well, you know, I think, well, one, I think that we'd probably agree maybe we haven't come that far. You know, I think maybe now people are playing a little bit more lip service, at least trying to say the right thing, even if they're not going to do the right thing, you know, that she should be heard. She should be heard, but we're just going to go ahead and ignore her. You right. know, it's like we're, we're letting we're her talk let her this talk. time. We're going to let her talk, but the vote is still scheduled for like Tuesday. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny because last night I was listening to Eleanor Holmes Norton. She, I believe, worked with Anita Hill back in the day. And she was being asked, you know, what differences do you see? And she actually said that Anita Hill had more going for her, that they allowed witnesses to testimony. There were multiple women who said that either she had confided in them at the time or that Clarence Thomas had done the same thing to them. And so she actually had more time to prepare and was at least able to bring witnesses with her. This woman's just being, Dr. Ford is being asked to just walk the plank alone in front of Mm -hmm. like a hostile committee without any support. And, you know, Anita Hill wrote an op-ed in the New York Times this Mm -hmm. week talking about how uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee needs to do better by the country than it did nearly three decades ago. I don't know. I'm not... I'm not hopeful that we will. I, I've been thinking a lot about the like the uh, advancements we've made since the quote unquote Me Too era started. And I, I think that a lot of our advancements have been superficial. Like you said, Alyssa, mm-hmm. a lot of it has been like, we'll let them talk now, but then we'll just ignore it and carry on. And right. that the to ma- me is the most distressing thing. Well, the material differences are now there are four women uh, on the Judiciary Committee. There are two people of color, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. And, you know, back in 1991, I think there were only two women, period, in the entire Senate. So uh, who was it? It was Barbara Mikulski and Castlebaum. I think that's mm-hmm. right. And even Senator Castlebaum came out yesterday saying they needed to do better by Dr. Ford. And she was a Republican at the time. So, you know, I think that women are more aware and and you know I think that if they make her go forward you know what they were trying to do I think yesterday is sort of just drive her over a cliff yeah they know it's nearly impossible for her to mentally and emotionally prepare to testify on Monday and the way they've set it up is if she doesn't testify they're going ahead without her basically have set her up to be a liar in my opinion that if there's so much to tell then she should just tell it and it shouldn't be that hard I wish that there were some Republican women on the Judiciary Committee because, you know, it's so easy then for Republicans to brush off anything, Kamala or Amy or Maisie. Can we also just shout out Maisie Hirono from Hawaii yes. right now? Yeah, and say, she, had a, she had a moment this week. Mahalo, Maisie, because <laughs> she told men to shut up and stand up and get out of the way. And I laughed because it reminded me of my favorite scene ever in Sex and the City when Aiden and Carrie are moving in together. And she's like, can you just shut up? Shut up. Stop talking. You talk and talk and talk. And that's how I feel about (laughs) Donald Trump and all the men. 
So mm-hmm. Maisie, Maisie is uh, number one in my book right now. Yeah, and I believe that she is, this is a fun fact about Maisie, she is the first ever Asian-American woman to serve as a U.S. senator, which is super cool. She's been killing it, too. Also, isn't she the only Buddhist? I'm not positive. We'll have to fact check that. I'm pretty sure she is. So Maisie's amazing. Unfortunately, our president is the opposite of amazing. He weighed in on the uh, Ford claims this morning, as he is wont to do. Essentially, Alyssa, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, dismissing what she said and saying what was happening to Kavanaugh was awful, which is kind of what he does. Yes, he was very, very uh, empathetic and sympathetic on his way to Marine One this morning, on his way to North Carolina, where he said, what a fine, fine man. Uh, I was going to call him Bart Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh <laughs> is. How... We can call him Bart. Bart I think Kavanaugh. he's Bart to me. <laughs> that he's been so hard done by and that. But, you know, we're going to listen. We're going to listen to what Dr. Ford has to say. And if she he basically said if she says something good, well, we'll take it from there. Yeah, this is not a man that deserves this is something that he said. But here's my question, President. What was he wearing? Maybe he does deserve it. Is he wearing a suit? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that, you know, is, is fairly well established, but when I see it laid out, I'm just like, holy shit, is that it's sort of part of Donald Trump's brand and by extension, the Republican Party's brand to stand with abusers. They've he loves a, abusers. They've picked a side. They've picked a side. Do you remember you remember when he was backing uh, Roy Moore? The, Roy Moore. So many yeah. years ago. So what? I he know. was a perv back 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 in the day. He was pursuing sexual relationships with the teen girls when he was in his 30s. I don't see what is wrong with that. Roy Moore is a very fine gentleman. Very fine man. Very fine man. It's a shame what happened to him. The president has also defended Representative Jim Jordan. That's Jim spelled (laughs) G-Y-M of Ohio. Because he didn't see anything happen. He didn't see anything happen. He is alleged to have been aware of a massive sexual abuse scandal among the Ohio State University men's wrestling team. And ignored it when he was working as a coach for that team. And president said of Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan is one of the most outstanding people I've met since I've been in Washington. I believe him 100%. No question in my mind. I believe Jim Jordan 100%. He's an outstanding man. So there's another one, though, Alyssa. Rob Porter. Oh, my uh, boyfriend, Rob Porter. That Everybody's asshole. boyfriend, Rob Porter. Everybody's worst boyfriend. Uh, Rob Porter was the White House staff secretary. He had a long, detailed history of physical and verbal spousal abuse. But after those accusations surfaced, I believe it was either last year or 10,000 years ago, who can know? (laughs) He said now he also, as you probably know, says he's innocent. And I think you have to remember that it's obviously a very tough time for him. Let us not forget that Donald Trump stood by him, called him a very fine man, when there were pictures of his ex-wife's battered face. Really bad ones. I mean, his, his life story is the stuff of Lifetime movies. But it is a shame what happened to Rob Porter. And last but not least, uh, Steve Bannon, who was the Trump campaign CEO and eventual chief strategist, who had a record of domestic violence and battery against his ex-wife in the 90s. And one more, a deep cut. Who can forget Donald Trump's affinity for Mike Tyson, his buddy, uh, who was found guilty of raping 18-year-old Desiree Washington, who was a Miss Black America contestant in the hotel room. After the 92 verdict, Trump said that Tyson didn't deserve to go to prison. He said, I'm a strong believer in harsh punishment, but we think it's probably in this particular case a lot more good can be done by having Mike Tyson pay a substantial award to both the victim, subject to court approval, and creating a ward for people who are abused or raped in the state of Indiana. And then a week later, he said, you have a young woman that was in his hotel room, his hotel room late in the evening at her own will. You have a young woman who is seen dancing 
for a beauty contest the next day, dancing with a big smile on her face, looked as happy as can be. So that's Donald Trump and abusers. When you tell those stories, I'm really not sure that we've come so far since Anita Hill. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look who the president is. Uh, But the good thing is, I want to end on a high note. Yes. Alyssa, you sort of, you brushed up against this earlier, but I think right now the difference is that women have realized their power more Mm -hmm. than they had back then. Like back in, I think, the early 90s, there was kind of, people realized that things that were happening were fucked up, but didn't realize what they could do about it. And now it seems like there's been a little bit of a sea change. Well, I think, too, you know, for all of the mixed feelings I have about social media, you know, back in 1991, I don't think that Anita Hill was able to get the immediate feedback that I hope Dr. Ford did get for all the trolls she had yesterday. Thousands and thousands of women were saying thank you, Dr. Ford. So hopefully, you know, she is able to, I mean, ideally, right, we would hope that she does not have to testify next week that they let, oh, we didn't even talk about this, that she has asked for an FBI investigation, which mm-hmm. is very routine, which would be a sort of not impartial look back and investigation into what happened back then. That Weirdly, the Republicans and Donald Trump are against. So first best, she would get the investigation and then be able to testify when she is good and ready. But if she does Thelma and Louise it and just go for it on Monday, I hope that we are all supporting her as loudly as we can in every way we can on social media, um, writing letters, calling our senators, and just making sure she knows that we're glad she did what she did. I mean, I believe Anita, and I believe Dr. Ford. I believe. (laughs) All right, Alyssa, that's all the time we have. Next week, I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about, too. But, you know, keep the faith. Say hey to those hysterical ladies for me. I will. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Welcome back. In this segment, we're going to meet our guest, Jane Marie, and talk about her new podcast. After that, we'll talk about how Christine Blasey Ford's story resonates with a lot of women. A quick heads up, during this segment, we talk about uncomfortable encounters with men that might be upsetting to people who are sensitive. So if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, you might want to skip the next 15 minutes or so. We're super stoked this week to welcome Jane Marie to the studio. Jane Marie is a Peabody and Emmy award-winning journalist. Jane Marie, I had no idea that you were so decorated. (laughs) So decorated, Jane Marie. She produced for This American Life for nearly a decade, one of the OG of podcasts. Uh, Before becoming an independent content creator, she's since collaborated with a wide variety of outlets, including Epic Magazine, Earwolf, and PBS. She's the host of the official Tinder podcast by Gimlet Creative, DTR, and the new podcast, The Dream, which sounds amazing. We'll talk about it in a second. Great. As a writer, Jane served as an editor for Jezebel. We were co-workers for mm-hmm. a while. And the hairpin and pen columns for various sites, including The Toast and Cosmopolitan. She lives in L.A. with her extremely cute daughter, Goldie. Oh, I can't take credit for that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to half of She looks nothing like me. How old, how old is Goldie? She's five. She, oh. she, it was one of those, when I had her, she came out, and I was like, is that mine? And I was like, oh, wait, I'm the mom. I forgot. I, <laughs> I'm in pain. <laughs> yeah. It's mine. Um, Jane, I am really excited about The Dream. Me too. Uh, can, you tell, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, it's a 12-part series. It uh, comes out Monday Oh, by my company, Little Everywhere, and Stitcher, about multi-level marketing. So it's about 
LuLaRoe and Scentsy and like all of those yeah. companies that your cousin. Rodan and Fields. Exactly. They get a mention. Um, so <laughs> Megan we, is so giddy, right? I'm <laughs> like, well, I'm from Indiana. And so my Facebook is just people selling me leggings and mascara. And I'm, I'm from like, Michigan. So yeah. I went home multiple times and. I'm a little nervous because I the show is partly about my family and friends from mm. my hometown in Michigan. And I hope they're still my family and friends after the show comes out. <laughs> but it was, yeah. I, we'll I, all abandon you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's really fun. It was a really kind of fun and scary thing to report. Like, you know, people don't like talking about uh, potentially being a part of a fraud yeah. and people are super defensive and also the world of that is very kind of culty mm-hmm. so I don't know what's going to happen I, what I'm hoping happens Monday is that they rally everyone who sells this stuff and then we get like a one star review on Apple Podcasts <laughs> and then that's the story <laughs> which is like MLMs took are us there down. Are there exceptions to the rule? Like are there some companies that are doing it right? Can Is this a model in other words that can be done with uh, with a moral compass, or is it just sort of universal? I went into it hoping that yeah. that was the case. I went into it like, oh, my grandma who sold Avon, like she wasn't doing anything wrong, right? Or you know, she wasn't participating, or she wasn't didn't get taken advantage of. But after a year of reporting, I think that the business model itself is corrupt. Mm. It's wrong, and and many of these companies start. This is the weirdest thing, but many of these companies, including Amway, started with the business model, not the product. Yeah. Like they were I like, oh, right. this sounds like a really good way to make money. So what can we sell? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Soap? Sure. <laughs> soap, makeup, whatever. They, but they didn't, you know what I mean? They weren't like inspired by like some That's great so thing that they wanted to share with the public. That's and it's so interesting that it's primarily a female-centric business Is it business interesting too. or is it by design? <laughs> is it by design? <laughs> it is by design. Yeah. yeah. It is, absolutely. Gosh. And a lot of them, I mean, maybe this is a stereotype, but in what I'm seeing on my own personal feed is it's a lot of women who had kids mm-hmm. and then are staying at home now out mm-hmm. of the workforce and are like, I want to do something. Mm-hmm. And then getting in a lot of times over their head and then bullying and tricking their friends into getting in. And then getting out in debt and not telling anyone that that's what yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, no, all of it's by design. Yeah. Three, three quarters of the, uh, the sales force is female. Um, uh, and it, it the whole thing kind of came out of, um, you know, it, trying to, it, it plays on like the trappings of domesticity. It like keeps you in the home with your kids and like being a really good, sometimes a lot of times Christian. Contributing. Christian. Yeah. yeah, you know, doing yeah. all the unpaid labor of like mothering and wifing and all of that while also um, pretending to empower you mm-hmm. and like say, you know, you, you can have it all. Like you can be a mom and, and go to all the soccer games and, and then make also. more than your husband. And make more than your husband on nights and weekends, which isn't true. We explore all of that this in the show, and it I'm is excited. really. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. How many episodes are there? There's 12. Next week on Monday, two are coming out, and the second episode is much about women's work and like why we're the victims of awesome. this. Awesome. Oh, that's super it's, awesome. Yeah. Doctor Death is ending, so I'll go into the dream. <laughs> <laughs> the dream is. It sounds perfect for me, and it has a lot less disgusting. Yeah, oh wow! I can't even sponges and neck. I can't I'm sorry. even. No, <laughs> no, Megan, no. <laughs> No. I'm triggering her. <laughs> I am so triggered right now. <laughs> so I wanted to segue real quick. When we brought you in, Jane Marie, we were going to talk about something totally different. Yeah. But then things kept happening. <laughs> so I wanted to bring you into our conversation about Brett Kavanaugh. And I don't want to talk about like the nuts and bolts about what's going on in Washington. I, I just want to talk about the way 
that Dr. Ford's story kind of resonated with me and a lot of Mm -hmm. women that Mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. Christine Blasey Ford said that when she was 15, she was held down at a party by Brett Kavanaugh. And when I heard that, I was thinking like, I think everybody has a story of something fucked up happening to you. Ah, story? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't that just high school? Yeah, right. Right, or something like fucked up happening to you and then you just kind of like keep it to yourself and carry it with you. And then usually what happens is you don't tell anybody and you just go on with your life and every once in a while something happens that brings that person to your attention and you're like, oh, that's what they're doing. Rarely is that person about to be confirmed as a Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. Mine is, when I was like in my mid-20s, I went out for drinks with a friend of mine, a male friend of mine, who I had years before had like a sexual relationship with. And we went out for drinks, got kind of drunk. We were coming back to where he had left his car in a cab. And he like tried to make out with me and I didn't want to make out with him. And I told him no and I tried to push him off. Mm -hmm. And the cab driver just kind of kept going as I was like, don't do this, dude. Like finally, I just was like, you have to pull over, pull over, pull over, let me out push the guy off me, get out of the car. I start walking. He gets out of the car behind me and he's sort of doing that, you know, that thing that guys do when they like did something super wrong and are trying to rewrite history in real time. Not like, apologizing. Yeah. But well, I just yeah. thought, I thought, I love that. We drank together. We should be the past, yeah, babe. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah. God, if you just said babe, I would have. <laughs> I remember exactly. I remember exactly where the car, like where the cab let me off. This was back in Chicago. And I, I, I would have pushed him off the bridge. I would have been like, get off. <laughs> Yeah. So I just like walked, you know, I was like, no. And I walked back. And at the time I had a boyfriend. I didn't want to tell my boyfriend that that had happened because it felt like I'd done something wrong. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, years later, I told friends of mine. It was just like, God, that was weird. I didn't like that. And it was bad. And the last time I thought about this person before the Kavanaugh thing broke was a few years ago. He like tried to friend request me on Facebook. And it oh was like, God. oh, you're a lawyer Gross. now and you're married and you have a daughter. Like, and it was almost like you're trying, he was trying to like, again, Make it okay. rewrite yeah. what had happened. Yeah. If she and, accepts my friend request, then I'm not a creep. Yeah. Totally. And he wants you to see, look, I'm married and I have a kid now. Yeah. I'm like not, I'm not dangerous to you anymore. I've atoned. Right. Here are two character witnesses, two actual human females who can attest to the fact that I'm not bad but 63 more women and you got the golden 65 got the Kavanaugh letter the (laughs) the golden 65 Jesus Christ I don't know what Jane Marie what do you make of that story did that trigger any memories in you as well I mean yeah like a ton (laughs) I don't nothing that horrible has happened to me thank God and I'm I don't know how that's the case and I am as a mother to a girl I'm I've got to ask my mom (laughs) like what did you how did you make me so afraid of men that I didn't get in these situations in the first place. Like I, but I remember one specific incident where I went to dinner with a guy and I couldn't, I was only two blocks from my house. I got in Chicago actually. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) The city of (laughs) pizza and assault. (laughs) The the city of the big creeps. Yeah. (laughs) Deep dish and creeps. No, I was at, I was at dinner with this guy and, and it was taking forever because he was like making it take forever. And so at the end of the day, I was like, okay, I really have to go home. I have to work in the morning. And I think it was at NPR at the time. And he said, oh, let me walk you home. I said, no, 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 I'm fine. Like, I wasn't interested after the date. And I said, no, 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 I'm fine. And he, like, f- sort of followed me for the two blocks. I didn't want him to know where I lived, but mm-hmm. I, he knew I was on foot. And so he's, like, kind of following me, like, pacing me, pace, like, like two steps behind. And I, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Thank you. And I said goodbye at the door. And he, like, did that thing where you put your arms around, you know, on the wall. So someone's kind of trapped because he wanted to have a good night kiss. And I was like, back up. And then he 
literally like yelled in my face about buying me dinner like being like you owe me this kind of thing which i was like this doesn't happen in real life like no one really thinks that like a 60 dollar tapas meal (laughs) gets you laid like or that i'm gonna be like oh you're right oh you're right i am so sorry yes i wait here's 30 dollars can i get now can i go in my house you know it, it was so crazy um no, but the Kavanaugh thing is just really heartbreaking and like fucking get a different job, dude. Like just go get a different job. You already had a job. You're already like like at the top of your game. You're super sick. Just stay where you are. Why are you making this everyone else's problem? I don't understand. Like why? Well, why but then again, he probably wouldn't be in the situation he's in if he wasn't that type of guy. Yeah. That's exactly. what you get rewarded for being that type of guy. Yeah. You yeah. know, and they all help each other climb up through the ranks and he feels like somehow he deserves this position and it's like you don't have to you don't have to be the moral compass of our country you don't have to right you can just do something else right (laughs) you can just be a federal judge sure (laughs) sure you know but like i don't understand the insistence on well now you know i want this thing so bad Mm -hmm. okay say it's like let's pretend it's not true it's it is true but let's pretend it's not don't put her through that. If a good person would say, uh, am I going to have her sit in front of, you know, 11 dudes on Monday and have to, like, recount this story that mm-hmm. that it's, you know, if it isn't true, you would be like, yeah, some of the some things aren't worth it. Yeah. That, you know? Yeah. Also, you know, just from the perspective of other people who continue to support him, it's like, why is this the guy? You know, like, why is is there no one else? Yeah. No, yeah. there is. There's other people. And like, you don't need to do this. There's women. Yeah. 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 Well, I think if there, there's a woman on the short list for Kavanaugh's position that was sort of like even worse in I terms know. of policy. Yeah. Uh, so that would be a whole I other. Mean, and that's the trickiness. Right. Of like this is very much a devil, you know, yeah. situation. Totally. I mean, Grace, have you ever had a sort of bad encounter with a man and had it be like uh, the man reached out later and was like, it was fine. And you were like, what? No. Well, there's there's a couple things here. So listening to both of your guys' stories, it sounds like in the situations that you guys have talked about, alcohol has been present too. Mm-hmm. And that's something that like, oh, fuck, man. I love drinking. I love drinking. And I want to always be able to drink. But can we not be trusted around alcohol? And can yeah. can can men not be trusted around alcohol? I mean, We can be trusted. <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote about this at the dailybeast.com uh, today where I think it's really interesting whenever something like this happens whenever any woman is in drinks and is in an encounter with a man that results in something that leaves the woman feeling awful Mm -hmm. what happens is the man is held less responsible for what he did yes and the woman is held responsible for not only what she did but also what he does to her (laughs) and for having drink been the one drinking too yeah men are allowed to drink and it's cool again it's like the 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 size difference if you're a bigger dude you can handle alcohol yeah but then he why did his actions become my responsibility right that's the thing that's like super fucked up you know that's just nature right you know and you're like he's just letting it loose (laughs) yeah just what being a guy is i'm just supposed to do this yeah (laughs) i was talking to a couple male coworkers yesterday And I just kind of floated the question. I was like, you know, women exchange these stories all the time. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like a fucked up, like, game of trading cards. Like, we'll all go out for drinks and then eventually we'll just like, oh, yeah, this guy did this thing to me. And then and it's like on one hand, it's sometimes like a survival thing, like a whisper network type thing. Sometimes it's just like women trying to find solidarity in these like things that happen to us. And I asked these two coworkers of mine who are great guys. 
um, if they knew stories like this from women and they were just like, ah, uh, they, they remembered a, a friend of theirs telling them some stuff, but they, they said that women don't usually bring those things up with men. Um, Megan, I wonder if you think that women should be telling men about these things more. I do. I mean, and I'm saying I do think that, and I also tell everyone <laughs> everything that's ever happened to. I'm like, I'm an open book just across the board in my life. You know, I'm I'm a stand-up. I've been a stand-up for 10 years. And when people ask, like, is it harder to be a woman? I think being a woman on stage right now is so incredibly powerful and amazing. But at the core of it, it is less safe for us to travel about the world. And that's sort of like the root of how it is different. And that starts from when I leave my house every time to go perform on stage or travel someplace. I was opening for a guy... This was years ago. You know, I was much younger. I was early in my career, and he ended up getting really, really drunk. Uh, we were about three hours away from where we had started, and so he want, he suggested that we spend the night there. I said no, that I needed to go back, and then I took the keys from him, got in his car, started to leave. I was going to leave him after, like, 45 minutes of back and forth and him trying to make us get a hotel room together, and then he got in the passenger side of his car and just started in on, like, why won't you date me? Why won't you be my girlfriend? Ugh. Grabbed at my vagina, grabbed at my breast, grabbed the steering wheel. And when it became very, very clear that I was not, that wasn't whatever this come on was that wasn't working, he took a bottle from the back of the car, pulled down his pants, peed in the Gatorade bottle, threw it out the window, and then fell asleep with his pants off. And I drove the rest of the way home <laughs> with a oh. naked from the pants down man. And that's how I met my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled oh into, God. we had met, we had like met in a parking lot to drive down together. So I pulled oh. in, got in my car, left, left him there. Naked. Left him in Donald Duck form. Yes. <laughs> and he texted me like probably three hours later and was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I just woke up. I hope I didn't try and rape you. What? Oh, my God. And I've told so many men this story. M male comedians. I mean, Good. it is interesting, too, because since I like sports, I'm very much viewed as like a guy's gal. Mm -hmm. You know, like I go and I have brothers. I was raised around men. I work in a male-dominated field. I'm with men all the time. And I do think it's unfair because when I say somebody fucked with me, they're like, somebody fucked with her. Mm -hmm. And I think there is this thing of, like, when women are viewed as, like, you know, very strong feminists. Or it's like, well, I, she, you know, she kind of puts up a battle cry. And this is, she's a little bit girl who cried wolf. Mm -hmm. And so there's... There's got to be a way that it's like we're none of us are crying wolf. None of us are having fun making these things up. And if you believe, I hate the thing of like, well, I have a sister, so I. Don't, it's like none. You As have a father to daughters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't even have to have ever met a human being who has a vagina. You have to understand that when things are done, they're not okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have bring your mother into it, your wife into it. I know a girl who's cool. It doesn't Isn't have to be that. Isn't that one of the that. most fucked up things about the Kavanaugh thing, by the way? Parading his wife and his daughters yeah, around. Yeah. Talking constantly about how he's on their softball teams and coaching. I mean, it's it's this, capitalizing. It nothing. It, it, it proves no, yeah. nothing. And it's commodifying his children. The man who did this to me was a father 
to a daughter and I saw I knew we were going to have to do a show together like a year later. He did stop me from getting workplaces, too. I brought my mom with me because I knew he was going to be at the show and he brought his fucking daughter. Can we say also like as a blanket statement, having kids and having a wife or even a girlfriend does not preclude you from being a piece of shit. Yeah, having me- <laughs> well, you know, I, you know what? That's not what Brett Kavanaugh's hearing would have would lead me to believe. He has met several human women. Oh, that's true. So that's true. And he's only he's only salted like he's one percent of them. He, so look, that's look. also his stupid lie about. I'm sorry, but these guys are so bad at lying. Is the other thing where that he's like. Um, when they're saying, oh, she it's a mistaken identity or like she doesn't remember exactly who in the room. So first of all, you're saying like, yeah, this is what your bros did, but it, yeah. you weren't the bro. Just the the only like if you're going to accuse her of lying, just say it never happened, because that's like the only thing that actually has happened in the history of like any of this is like oh, oh somebody just whole cloth made something up. Mm-hmm. But you don't go like. Oh, no, it wasn't, Brad. It was yeah. actually like I remember exactly which yes. guy jumped on top of me. And yeah. it doesn't matter which of the two of them it was. They yeah. were both in the room. Yeah. They're both guilty. Like This is something that's that women take with them everywhere. Dr. Ford, by coming forward with this, is putting herself in a position where her entire life could be ruined. And Kavanaugh might get what he wants anyway. Mm-hmm. I just can't see what the incentive would be to lie in that circumstance. The risks yeah. are too high. So. I agree. Jane Marie, I mean, we've talked about how this is sort of like a universal experience for women. I was thinking yesterday, I I saw a clip of an old speech that Brett Kavanaugh had given Mm -hmm. at Georgetown Prep, his all boys alma mater, where he said what happens at Georgetown Prep stays at Georgetown Prep. And it sort of seemed like this kind of universalizing of like boyhood mischief and this and I feel like there's a there's a link between that mindset and the fact that we're all carrying around stories like this how do you feel about that absolutely i i see it on the playground with my five-year-old i've had to confront fathers more than a handful i mean i I could tell you their names the men that i have walked up to and said knock it off like your son just clocked my daughter in the head with a metal tractor toy you know Mm -hmm. and you're like he's a real roughhouser you know like and that's so you think it starts young absolutely like immediately it starts immediately and it's all it's all about the identity of the adult male in the in that scenario too is like they're they they feel powerless or you know like their dick isn't big enough or something and so they're like i'm gonna make my son even more masculine even more aggressive and then maybe that'll you know somehow cure my bisexuality or whatever the thing is that they can't come to terms with (laughs) well you know and i want i have a neighbor he's exactly this kind of guy where I see him with his son and you know he he makes fun of my driving when I drive out of out of our little neighborhood like I had a little problem with my rear view mirror and he's like crazy lady driver and you know he's always what like, an original a, joke a woman being called crazy yeah a, crazy a woman lady. being I'm... bad at driving that <laughs> and is just I wasn't also I, I didn't wreck my mirror yeah. <laughs> a dump truck did but <laughs> that a man was driving um but, you know, and I see him like, uh, like, you know, come on, man up. Like, it's always like this man up thing to like mm-hmm. a nine year old. Mm-hmm. And his son is so sweet. It's so gay also. But he's mm-hmm. so sweet. And my daughter loves him. But I like I also think like it start. it does start that young. Like and it's so uncomfortable to be the mom that is like the only mom being like, don't talk. you cannot talk to your son this way. Like he's going to rape someone. Mm-hmm. Are there other moms? In the vicinity who are witnessing this and not saying anything? Yeah. I, yes. Mm, yes. That's upsetting. Absolutely. And I'm not saying it's their fault. Right. I'm right. just saying it is uncomfortable. It mm-hmm. is uncomfortable because you you're he's he's asserting his his 
like he's 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 making himself large and aggressive to his small child, but also to me. Yeah. You know, and so it's scary to walk up and say, this is bad. Like you are setting up a really bad thing here, but mm-hmm. I see it constantly. Yeah. I see it constantly. I see it in, in the kindergarten. And so I think it starts very, very young and then it becomes, you know, like, woven in woven in it grew it, the grooves in your brain are, are you know well tread by the time you're in high school so how do how and this is a, a question i do not have an answer for how do some men turn out fine and some men turn out like total fucking shitheads that are enabled by entire groups of total fucking shithead men like why well, we i mean do a study about how many of them are raised by single mothers <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, True. honestly, or like who had an older sister yeah, or, Where or a younger sister to protect uh, fa- other female family members mm-hmm. um, and sex education, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. I, I, this is something I, I've talked to Niall about a lot. He, he told me he's had like he just somehow ended up with like six years of sex education, having gone to like a couple different schools and being in like a couple weird like wow, liberal congrats. schools. Wow. Yeah. And it's, I, I know. And, and he was like, I think that that actually like prepared me to be like a human, like a being. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, the, imagine if you didn't have that. Imagine if you don't start your life with a vocabulary for sex mm-hmm. and a vocabulary for gender and a vocabulary for the differences between men and women, then of course you just kind of like loaf around, especially if you have influences like the dads that you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And having female friends also. And yeah. I think that if you are like, like, if you're the kind of guy Brett Kavanaugh and his bros are, you don't see women as friends. Well, we have to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to revisit Grace's birth control story from last week. And we're back. Before we get into the next segment, I just wanted to make a note. We got a lot of feedback about last week's segment on birth control, and I just wanted to clarify that not only women depend on birth control for healthcare, trans men and non-binary people also use it as part of their daily lives. Last week, Grace shared a story about having her insurance company try to dick her over when it came to birth control. And, you know, when you're dealing with birth control, you absolutely should not be dicked. That's, <laughs> that is unsafe. Um, Antithetical to the very nature of birth control. Right. And we, we asked our listeners to reach out if they had stories of, ha- of similar things happening to them. Uh, hysteria at crooked.com is our email address. We also got some tweets. Lots of people. Yeah. It turns out having problems getting birth control, which is something that everyone should be it's important it's important so i had uh our intern here at crooked pull up some information on what to do if you're denied birth control birth control can sometimes be denied under quote conscience and refusal clauses uh, which are laws that permit people and organizations primarily healthcare providers and institutions to refuse to provide certain types of healthcare services under the guise of religious freedom this is all from rewire.com which is a really good resource for news on reproductive health So the laws also permit religious organizations, in some cases civil servants and others, to discriminate against LGBTQ people as well, based on moral and religious opposition to homosexuality. But here's uh, some advice from the National Women's Law Center. If you are trying to get birth control and the refusal takes place at a pharmacy, you can take the following steps. You can file a complaint with your state's pharmacy board to get sanctions against the pharmacy or pharmacist. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Love a burned bridge. <laughs> you can ask the state's board or legislature to put in place policies that will ensure access to birth control, which, you know, letter writing is, is a good thing. You can alert the pharmacy's corporate headquarters, which you can do via Twitter nowadays. And uh, pharmacies don't like that. 
So that might be an, a quick way to do it. Mm-hmm. But in the in the words of Ziwe Famuda, one of our co-hosts from New York, justice for women should not be something that only happens when we go viral. It sucks that we have to do this. Mm-hmm. You can also get emergency contraception today before you need it. So uh, that's available over the counter, I believe, in most places. And just kind of, you know, have a have a little Tupperware container just chock full of EC in case (laughs) for whatever reason you can't get birth control and you need it. So there's that. And we also wanted to read a couple letters from our listeners who who reached out. Grace, do you want to start? Yeah, I'm so um, just delighted. Our listeners are amazing. Thank you guys so much for sharing your stories with us. It has been awesome. And, you know, we're very glad to have this conversation and to continue it. So please do continue to reach out for us. Um, Shout out to one of our listeners, Mary Beth, who wrote us saying, I was inspired to reach out today because of your segment on the access to birth control. It was so relieving but also concerning to know that I'm not the only one who's had this problem. I have polycystic ovarian syndrome and use birth control to help regulate it. When I was first diagnosed, the birth control doctor that the doctor gave me was a brand name but completely covered by my parents' insurance at the time she was under her mom's plan. However, when everything with healthcare was shit hitting the fan, all of a sudden it wasn't covered anymore and no one told me. She was 21 at the time, so she showed up to the pharmacy to get a prescription they charged her $130 for one month supply. Again, this is for a, a woman who has polycystic ovarian syndrome. So this is a, a medical condition. So she describes feeling helpless. She describes feeling outraged. Um, at the time, also, she's a recent college graduate looking for a teaching job, and nobody was hiring. So needless to say, $130 made a big difference. For the next couple years, she switched to generic forms and has not found one yet that works. Now that she's 27 and on her own insurance, you know, she writes, the struggle's real, and I have incredible supports to help me through this process, but I can't imagine having a one-town, one-pharmacy home. And that's something that we have read a number of times from our listeners. Like I said in, in the episode last week, my story is from the perspective of somebody privileged to live in a big-ass city with a ton of pharmacies, and it was still a bitch and a half to get birth control. So, yeah, for the women who were living in small towns with access to maybe one pharmacy, Jane Marie is raising her hand over here. <laughs> yeah, you have And my dad's a dentist, so oh, he knew the yeah. pharmacist. I oh. couldn't go there for anything. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was pharmacy. It was one. So I had to go to Flint to Planned Parenthood as a teenager. Oh, my God. To um, get birth control. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they would, it would just, everybody would know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. If it even was given to me. Oh, God. So. Uh, Mary Beth, thank, thank you God for Thank God for Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, and, and Mary Beth, thank you for your story. We're, we're um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's illuminating to hear these stories, for yeah. sure. Megan has one from Corey. Corey in the United Kingdom. So yeah, we've got UK listeners. <laughs> yeah. <Hello. laughs> well, cheerio. Yes. That's, that's the most insulting thing I could have possibly done. <laughs> And in, in this letter, she's very much saying she loves the NHS but still has had struggles with them, single payer or not. She said, the thing is, I know what a ball ache, parentheses uterus ache, <laughs> it is to change, change pills. And yes, I know that generic has the identical active ingredients as name brands. But I also know I spotted constantly for almost a year getting onto this pill. Mm. I repeat, I bled from my body for a year. That is not normal, and I shouldn't be forced to go through that again so drug companies can take in profits. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Dude, oh. we have to stop pretending that generics are the exact same fucking thing. It's a lie. And any woman who has experienced a switch from a brand name to generic knows that there are risks involved. Maybe you'll be fine, but maybe it's like switching altogether, which can be fucking dangerous. God, you shouldn't have to be bleeding this much, Corey, <laughs> and I'm sorry. Yeah, and it, it also shouldn't be like up to any governing body that isn't your doctor who's personally examined you to decide yeah. what you get or what you don't get. We have another letter that I want to just read an excerpt from Jill 
She said a friend of hers was trying to refill her generic birth control prescription and was told it was on back order at every Walgreens in New Orleans for months. New Orleans! Oh New Orleans! Every Walgreens in New Orleans, New Orleans. for months. I feel like we should start a like birth control exchange. Yeah. Like yeah. all pregnant women who were on birth control keep getting it refilled <laughs> while you're pregnant. Stockpile it. And then we could just like all switch around plan b i'll send whoever needs plan b i will go buy you plan b and send it to you we're drug dealers now this is a drug dealer this is what it's come to i have an iud and i've never been happier really (laughs) love it which one i don't even know i said get it in there i don't care i mean same they're great they're great it's marina oh there you go shout out shout out to marina if you listeners have uh anything else about birth control anything you want to get in touch with us about Hysteria at crooked.com, or you can tweet at us. Although I'm in, you know, busy most of the day, so I can't really check my menchies. So email us if you want to. <laughs> not busy. Tweet at, at Megan Gailey. Plenty of time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> the show could have been four hours yeah. long today, but we're going to get to the segment that we end the show with every week called The Hill I'll Die On. Jane Marie, do you have any? This is like my entire personality. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What's your dumbest opinion that you have the strongest feelings behind? So I was thinking about this and I was like, there's so many. Uh, YA, it shouldn't exist. <laughs> Young adult. Just write a fucking book. Oh. Write a book and read a book. You know, like, huh. I don't think YA. What is YA? It's just things that take place in high schools, I think. Fine. Make it, call it a book. You know, like, I don't need it to be, don't talk down to me, an 18 year old. Like, I've read Orwell, you know, like, they tell you, like, you can read whatever you want. You don't have to. So that makes me crazy. Marathons. Sorry if anyone just, you know, you're, you you're know doing. I, you know. I know. And I knew I was going to. She pointed I, at you and said, said sorry. Marathons. <laughs> sorry. But just stay sitting down. And if you don't want to, if you want to do something like completely utilitarian with your body for so long that your nipples bleed and you barf, just go <laughs> go for it. But shh. First of all, I my don't ni- need to first know. All, I don't need to know. My nipples have never bled, but I did pee blood one time. Oh, oh, Jesus, God. Aaron. What? I was fine. Like during the marathon? I'm doing this great. Like, now, la, 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 la. Like, just go ahead and do it. But do I need to know about it? No. How do you know you're <laughs> peeing blood and not just on your period? Because uh, I finished the race. Oh, God. I'm taking my headphones I'm off. No. Oh, you're still in the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, I finished the race and went back to my mom's hotel room and we were going to go out to eat. And uh, I went to the bathroom and I was like, oh, huh. Oh. I peed. It looks like Kool-Aid. Just was it a... all Kool-Aid? No, it wasn't Kool-Aid. When would I have drank Kool-Aid? Aaron, I've been drinking I, Gatorade. I don't like anyway, that. I from the toilet I Googled what it was and the basically the answer was like, it's probably fine. Oh, and it was. God. I was I was just I was fine. Everything turned out great. That made my limbs numb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Megan, what's yours? Oh, this is going to be okay, real. Okay, Dr. Death listener. I know, I know. <laughs> I, yeah, I was the one who asked the question, too. I wanted to know, but I just couldn't handle it. This is going to be really unpopular in this group. I'm done with concerts. Oh. Oh, yeah, I don't go to those. Well, you had a particularly bad experience. But you know what? I'm just done. Yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. go see Cher in Vegas, and then I think I'm done. Oh, I was done, and then I started hanging out with this guy who keeps making me go to concerts. Well, that's why you well, got to be done with men. I only go backstage. Oh, <laughs> okay. You know what I did say yesterday as we were leaving because I was I was like, listen, I have lanyards now. I've been on a golf cart. Yeah. I don't need to be out here with these that's people. That's true. With these that's people. true. Oh, with yeah, with the, the regular regulars. walking no, people. Sweaty next I hold to you. a microphone too. Get me on a fucking golf cart or I'll be at home. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, my God. 
Okay, Grace, how about you? Uh, okay, the hill that I'm going to die on uh, is actually one that I think is going to have the opposite reaction from Megan. I think everybody's going to agree with this, which is there is not a single driving app out there, and I'm talking to you, Waze, and I'm talking to you, Google Maps, that is satisfactory, is efficient in any way. They all suck. They all fuck me over constantly. Mm-hmm. And uh, with an assist from Megan Gailey, I think this is so dead on. Waze, in particular, gets too cute sometimes. It does. It gets it's too like cute. taking you in people's driveways. Yeah, like, I don't what like it. What the fuck is that? Get out of here. Get me home quickly. No, how hard is it to put in your map where the stoplights are, too, so you're not making yeah. unprotected lefts constantly, oh, yeah. constantly. So, uh, Elon Musk, I'm looking at you. Come on, let's get get off of Amber Heard or whatever, and let's get let's get cracking. He's with Grimes. That what? Oh, I was like, fuck. wait, what I'm happened? Sorry, I'm yeah. so behind. He's, he's with right. Grimes. All Grimes right. is, is griming up her reputation by hanging out with Rocket Man. <laughs> A hill I'm gonna die on. I recently flew cross country and I just everybody will agree with me but I think it's just fucking inhumane mm-hmm. it's inhumane flying across the country Cro- flying it's cross the country bus. is inhumane I <laughs> what I need is I need a service that is unconscious flying I need to be mm. I need to go into a room like a medical room and I need to sit in a chair like a reclining like dentist chair and I need to have drugs administered to me and I'm deathly afraid of needles but I would accept an intravenous situation wow. for a cross country flight yeah and I need to be put to sleep and I need to be flattened out and put in a locker and flown across the country. And then I wake up and I'm in California and I'm like a little like bit the fifth woozy. element. Yes. I That's wanted, what you need. You need the fifth element. I need the fifth element to be real. I need that opera scene to be like a real thing. It's a oh, really yeah. good Yeah, when you scene. wake up then, when you wake up the opera. There's oh, like a tentacle oh. monster singing a beautiful song. Uh, but that's that's it all die on this week. Uh, Jane Marie, thank you so much for stopping by. Megan Gailey, Grace Cara. As always, you're perfect. We'll have more hysteria for you next week. Peace.